0: Welcome to Indian Artpreneur. I'm your host, Sushma Udupa. Let me begin this episode with a quote by renowned painter Pablo Picasso. He said, Learn the rules like a pro, so you can break them like an artist. Now, before I proceed any further, let us take a moment and listen to this music clip. <laughs>
1: Let it get then tuck it in, not then tuck it in, not tuck it in, not done, but I then tuck Tanga at the cataric at the cataka, tacat in the tacatum. Di, tanga at the cataric at the tanga at the cataric at tanga at the cataric at the cataka, tacat in the tacatum. Di, tanga at the cataric at the catakadi, tanga at the cataric at the cataka, tanga at the cataric at di, tanga at the cataric at di, tanga at the cataric at the cataka, tacat in the tacat in the
0: tacat, tacat. That is our guest, Raphael Brochet. Born to musician parents in France, Raphael grew up surrounded by jazz. Having studied the piano and the jazz performance studies in France and in Canada for seven years, she also holds a master's degree in ethnomusicology from the Wesleyan University, USA. Her insatiable thirst for different art forms took her to Iran and Canada, where she learned Persian music, and also to South India where she spends over 17 years learning Karnatic singing under Guru Srimati Sharada Tota and Konukkol under Shri Ghatam Govindarajan. One can see the influences of all this music fit seamlessly in her improvisation skills. Being an ardent learner, Rafael is also trained in dance. She is also an active educator and has been teaching around the globe for many years, such as the Brussels Royal Conservatory in Belgium, the Swarna Academy of Music in India, and the International College of Music, Berkeley, in Malaysia. Let us listen to her story. Hi, Rafael. Welcome to Indian Entrepreneur. Thank you very much for inviting me. So born to musician parents, I believe you grew up listening to a lot of music. You had already uh, published your first music album by the age of 17. So did Mm -hmm. you pick on music at an early age? Yes, you
2: know, both my parents were musicians. So uh, first of all, I was totally immersed into the world of jazz and and classical music because my, my mother was also a piano player. And so I was surrounded by all these, these types of music, Brazilian music as well. So at the age of uh, four, I think I started with violin. I I, I learned the violin for I don't know for a few months, you know. At this age, you just you know you you change your mind. and I, I learned the piano, and then uh, a little bit of guitar. But I've always sang because uh, at home everybody was
0: singing all the time. So okay. A little bit like India, a bit in France. <laughs> okay. But did you have a very strict training regimen? Uh, okay. Actually, uh, when I started going to the conservatory, the training
2: was more formal, more strict. But at home it was more like f- free learning, free just uh, being around. Uh, you know, and learn in a more uh, passive way, if I can say. Nice, it. nice.
0: You must have enjoyed that phase then.
2: Yeah, it was really nice, and I was also uh, my sisters and brothers came a little bit later. For so for almost seven years, I was the only child, and I was just surrounded
0: by music. Yeah. <laughs> So, after your basic uh, music education in piano and jazz, you spent seven years doing jazz performance studies in the Nantes Conservatory, France, and then University Mm -hmm. of Montreal in Canada. Then, you spent a year in New York working on a project called Cristal, blending Mm -hmm. jazz and Indian music traditions. Was this the first spark of your fusion concept? Yes, actually, it
2: was. It's a a very good... uh question Uh, I think you are the first one to ask me this question you are very well informed (laughs) you have done your research thank you Um, yes you know it's interesting because um, I was very scared to um, to blend uh, to touch Carnatic music because I was so respectful and for me it was so pure and uh, for all these years so at that time I think I had been learning for um, more than 10 years 10-15 years I think and uh, I was very respectful and for me in my mind, you know, I never really allowed myself at that time to, to, to touch and to, to, to do anything because for me, it was so rich and it was such an ocean. And I, I was telling myself, okay, before I do anything with this, I have to learn everything. But then one day I discovered you cannot learn everything because it's so big and it's the beauty of it also is that you, it's humbling because you are, at some point you realize that you will never, learn the whole thing, and it's, I mean, I think it's the same with every kind of art, actually, but Carnatic music is very obvious this way, because it's so complex and codified, so um, at that time, I thought, okay, maybe I can try to, to do it, but with a lot of respect, as much respect as I can, and um, by taking only maybe one Tala, or one uh, solkatu pattern. So at first I wouldn't touch the compositions. I wouldn't touch anything. I, I didn't dare to do anything like that. So mm-hmm. I would just take some elements and try to fool around
0: with them. Okay, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you began your music education in jazz, but then you spent more than 17 years in South India learning Carnatic music <laughs> and uh, Konakul. How did you find your interest for Indian classical music?
2: Mm, yeah it's a a good question actually um it's interesting so the first time i went to india Mm -hmm. i was uh, i was 11 years old okay so obviously i was not by myself i was with my parents and my sisters and brothers and they were really attracted by india like many people you know in 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 the west uh, attracted by the the beauty and the, the the Uh, uniqueness of india right so we were just going there like as a family trip you know uh, uh, backpacking Mm -hmm. you know and uh, as a child i remember feeling so much at home immediately like i set foot in india and i and i felt at the right place you know so before falling in love with indian music i I think i fell in love with india Mm -hmm. you know The, the encounter was India and so after this this trip so we were there for one month uh, i could only think about india i, I was as just i had to go back it was like a calling so when i turned i think 19 mm-hmm. i went again by myself and uh, i went to the south and i, I went for one month and, and i thought okay i don't want to be a tourist i don't want to discover india from the outside like everyone else does i want to really meet india i want to meet the people i want to meet the culture i want to feel it and and connect with it in a profound way mm-hmm. so what could i do Shall i learn music or shall i learn dance because at that time i was really involved in both uh activities like i was really in the conservatory in, in dance and music also mm-hmm. so i was open to you know i was Uh, available to what the destiny would give me, you know? I was like, okay, sometimes you're not sure what you want. You're not sure what's the best for you. So you just put your heart out there and see what happens, you know? So I went and I I, I don't know how I... uh, ended up in, in in Bangalore. I think I just picked up on the map. At that time I didn't know there was such thing as Carnatic or Hindustani music. You know? I didn't know anything. I I knew there was India and it was, it was South India where, where I went as a child, so I wanted to go to the same place. So I went to Bangalore and I first couple of days I you know I you know how it is there. especially as a foreigner so young, blonde, blue eyes, you know, meet so many people, and people invite you to their place, oh, there's a wedding there, and the people dancing there, and you know, I was in a very cheap hostel, so I was with, you know, quote-unquote normal people who would just talk to me in a very casual way, and uh, I would end up meeting a lot of people, and I, I would tell all of them, I'm looking for a teacher, I want to learn music, or dance, or both. And after a couple of days, I met someone who told me, oh, I know, I know someone who could teach you. And this is how it started. I had my first Carnatic class. I didn't know it was Carnatic at the time. It was just a class. And, you know, uh, she just sang. She's not my present guru. She was another teacher. And she just uh, started with Mayamla Yamla you know, uh, Arohana varohana just without the gamakas, just the scale. Okay, so I repeat it. For me, I was already heavily involved in music, so it was it felt quite natural for me. Okay. And then she added the gamakas, uh-huh. and then I couldn't believe because for me it was like it, it it's like a whole dimension that opened in in into my life. You know, it was like <gasps> the light came. <laughs> you know, like when you have a revelation in your life, and it, it was like. It was the before and the after, you know, like from that point, I remember hearing this voice telling me, OK, now I know why I'm on Earth. I know what I want to do on this planet. I want to learn this music. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm, I don't know how it's going to happen, whatever. My heart is full and, and is clear you know how when you meet the love of your life you meet yes. your your soon-to-be husband or soon-to-be wife and it's the right person for you yeah, you feel it exactly. so deep down and the, the path clarifies everything it's clear you know there's clarity and it's everything is open and easy mm-hmm. you just have to go with it and it's that's, that's how it felt you know so yeah yeah, well, I feel very lucky to have experienced that because I know it's not everybody who has this kind of experience, but some people have it with mathematics or, I don't know, you know, with anything, you know, like geography. or And it's a beautiful thing because it touches your heart and it's it's true. You know it's true. You know it's uh, it has value and you, you, there's nothing to question. You just go for it, you know, and especially at that age. You're 17. You don't, yeah, you just...
0: Uh, There's no place for doubts, you know. Yeah. (laughs) How about Conducol, Raphael? What was that attracted you to Conducol? So Konakol, I discovered much later. Um,
2: I think uh, it started, I think at that time I was living in Canada, Uh in Montreal. And... um, I think I was just—I had heard. I think I heard some some lady, some singer in in America who started to perform konna uh, She had learned from someone else, from I think from uh, C- uh in uh, Toronto, mm-hmm. and she was just uh, you know performing that uh, few phrases. And she had never been to India, but she was practicing these, phrase, these phrases and. Uh, Somehow it came to my ear. Someone talked to me about that and I heard that. I was like, oh my God, but this is like the rhythm you know, yes. for me. So I tried to meet her, but she was never available. She was a little bit of a star, you know. She was like very busy and she was like, oh, if you want, I can teach you. It's like $150 an hour. And I was like, oh my God, this is not possible. I just wanted to meet her and talk about Carnatic music because I was so passionate, right? I was like, it was my life. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's okay. I'll go to India and I'll find a teacher for myself and I will learn this tradition there, which is even better, you no? Know? So the next uh, summer, I went to India, uh, like usual, I and I asked my uh, my guru, Amma, Amma, do you know anyone who could teach me Konoko? And, and she was like, yes, actually, not far from here in the same neighborhood only. Uh-huh. Uh, I know a very, very nice and very kind uh, uh, he he's a gatam player, so his name is uh, N Govindarajan, uh-huh. and uh, you can meet her. I will uh, I will introduce you to him. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. I met him, and I was uh, so impressed because he, you know how they are, the big masters. They are very humble, and I. When you have met people like that, you know how to recognize them. And I saw him the first minute, I was like, okay, (laughs) this one, (laughs) he's very calm, very quiet, very humble, Mm -hmm. very also um, uh, spontaneous, Uh natural, you know, no manners, no nothing. Uh, living very simply uh-huh. in a very small uh, apartment and uh, with his sister. She was also living with him. And he gave me one class, mm-hmm. and uh, we started from the very beginning, and I really liked that because um, for kinetic music, I, I went a little bit fast because I was already a musician and my ear was already trained, so we went quite uh, fast. But with the conical, he really made a point to start from very beginning, ta. Be dom like like that for minutes and minutes and 10 minutes 20 minutes and it was like okay you continue i will go uh, you know make a chai for myself or something like that or answer the phone <laughs> 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 and it would have to i would have to sit and then you know uh, chant the call and i really liked um, yeah, like the, it was a whole universe again for me because rhythmically so interesting, but also the relationship I had with that that guru of mine. It was my second guru, right? I had two gurus and uh, uh-huh. so much respect I had for him and all the process also of very structured and,
0: and progressive
2: uh, way of learning the mm-hmm. Uh
0: So you traveled to India to learn Carnatic music and Konnakol. You traveled Mm. to Iran to learn Persian music, and you also have Mm. a master's degree in uh, ethnomusicology with a fully funded scholarship from the Wesleyan University, USA. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. made you think in these terms? Did you always have an interest to learn different disciplines of music and bring them together? Yes, actually, you know, I've always been a very,
2: um, um, how to say... Uh, I've always had a lot of curiosity about many things. Uh-huh. You know, as a kid, I always wanted to learn many things. You know, the way I learned how to read, uh, I, had, I was very lucky to have parents who didn't put me at school too early. Uh-huh. So I was homeschooled for many years. And so my, my, my mother, she was really nice because she would believe in letting the child ask what he wants to learn. She, she believed that the children, the they have in themselves that they, 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 they are interested uh, in learning. And so you let them ask the questions and then they, they will learn this way much faster than forcing them, right. you know. So this is how I learned how to read. I would, I would have many books at home and I would take a book and ask her, OK, what is this and what is that? Obviously, the mother has to be very available <laughs> because so many questions. So I was very lucky. So and little by little, I within a few months I I learned how to read. I was like I don't know five or six or something. And uh, I think this starting, how to say, this way of starting life was very beneficial for me because I I just took that habit of uh, questioning everything, you know, all the time. So um wanting to learn everything and then it's true i have this tendency i really like to try to connect everything i i um i believe we are all all human beings are um we are we are not separate i believe we are uh, like a, a big entity mm-hmm. uh and uh, it's an illusion i think to to separate things and people and and um it's true i i tend to to always uh, seek the connections, seek the links between people, uh, between each other, and between the people and the nature and uh, and, and the universe. And I have this, yeah. So um, I think that's why in music I am so first curious to learn other traditions. Mm-hmm. And and then it's true, I, I'm I'm always looking for the universal language or how to say it, you know. Uh, the heart. In the end, uh, you have different techniques, mm-hmm. set of techniques, okay, gas these the modes, blah, 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 intervals, blah, 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 but they are there to serve a bigger purpose, I think, yes. is to connect to each other, talk to each other, uh, embrace each other with arms, but also with sound, with ideas, with, uh, with the heart, so... Um, Yes, um, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't
0: know if I answered your question, but yes. yes. No, <laughs> uh, I think these thoughts, uh, they reflect in your uh, music, profile. I really enjoy listening mm. to each of your uh, compositions. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, talking about your work, S-O-L-O, The Sacred Oath of the Lucky Owl. Mm-hmm. You solo. said, yes. yes, solo. You mm-hmm. said, uh, sometimes I'm alone on stage with a Shruti box, a loop station, or a computer, or all of them at once. Can you talk about what inspires these concepts for you?
2: Hmm. Um, I actually, uh, actually, these are not concepts per se because it's more, you know, um, 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 how to say that. I, I can be very heady sometimes. I get intellectual sometimes, but um, in music, I try to, re- to really let the music speak by itself. You know, you know, Coltrane said that. He said everything is in the music. Whenever we are trying to understand things or we want to draw concepts from music, he says if you fully listen to the music and you open your ears and your heart. All the information would be there, and that's what I try to do with music: is to let it speak by itself. So, if I'm alone on stage with no shruti box, nothing, just a cappella, it's because the music I am doing requires it, demands it. So, uh, I, I try to let the music ask what it wants, mm-hmm. kind of. So, I mean, it's it's like languages, you know. Um, um, I am. Um, When I I, uh, compose a new piece and I want to put lyrics, the choice of the language will be very important because it will convey a certain energy, like each language has its own melody, kind of, you know, so it will not uh, guide me through... um, towards the same things right mm-hmm. so if I have a shooty box on stage it's because probably it's going to be kinetic. and if I have a, a loop station probably it's because I compose something that's kind of fusion and I wanted to add some harmony in it and if I'm at a cappella um, usually it's because I'm singing something maybe classic, western classical mm-hmm. and um, I really want to hear the harmony but I don't want it to be too heavy so I prefer to do it in arpeggios um yeah, it's just, I think it happens in a natural way. I, I don't um, tend to think too much in advance. I let the
0: music guide me right, right. as much as I can. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, talking about your fusion music, uh, when you work on your fusion music, how do you evolve with the composition? Do you, for example, mm. pick up a jazz piece and a Carnatic piece in the same raga, mm. melody, tala, and then mm. you kind of improvise it? How How do you do it?
2: Mm, it's a very good question. I wish I had a very clear answer to that. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm still, uh, you know, searching. Right, we're all, all on the on the on the path, right? But where I am right now, what I have done so far is usually either. Um, Today, either I pick, I take maybe one line of a critique, for example, I just, I don't take the whole thing because it's too long and too heavy, it would be, it would make too long of a composition, and also because um, it's so, uh, Carnatic music is so rich and so full, it doesn't, you cannot add anything, it's already uh, full, right, Uh, uh, it's enough. Right, so if I'm going to take a something Carnatic, I'm going to take a very small piece, mm-hmm. like just one line, for example, one Sangati or something, mm-hmm. and then I will develop it. You know, I will play. Maybe I will add some harmony, but it has to be very simple harmony because I don't want to overpower. You know, I don't want to go on top of the Carnatic because the melodic component of Carnatic music is so developed already. Mm-hmm. So I have to be at the service of that line um and i add some maybe some simple rhythm to it also some stress points uh Mm -hmm. that are create some tension with the tala or my starting point can be you know just maybe uh you know when i was going to india back in the days and learning some soul and i would have to practice one pattern for example after practicing so much it would become something i would improvise around and it will become something and then you have to structure it in a way that it becomes a as a composition um i yeah it can be a tala that i start with uh, it's rarely a raga i will say because a raga is a raga only if you have all the gamakas the characteristic phrases the soul notes and then only it's a raga but then but then there's no room for anything else right so um, for me fusion with Carnatic music is very touchy because um, I'm very careful when people ask me okay you know I give a lot of workshops and master classes and conservatories and all these guys you know they come from that, and already they do not want right away they want to use ragas in their compositions and, and I'm like sure but first let me tell you what is a raga and it's going to take at least a week <laughs> to Right? Because yes. you have to learn the scale, you have to learn the gamakas, you have to learn the characteristic phrases, the soul notes, you have to do all the alankaras to fully understand the gamakas, ideally, you would spend a year on it, learn yes. Varnam, yes. you know what I mean? So, yes. these guys, they don't have time for it, so, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Maybe that it's not their goal in their life to do all this. So I, I tell them right away, mm-hmm. yes, you can use the scale. Mm-hmm. Let's use that scale. Okay, let's use that scale. Okay, this is uh, equivalent of Mixolydian. Okay, mm-hmm. Okay, we can do that. But as soon as you put the gamma cuts, it becomes carnatic. And uh, okay, maybe you take a small piece. Maybe you take four notes. ma. Let's play around with that. We stay the whole day mm-hmm. on this and we play around and we, you know, I think it's, yeah, wow. it's the only way to, to do something interesting. Otherwise, it will be too uh, loaded right. with information, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, How similar or different do you think the techniques in different styles of music is? Uh, Is it difficult for you to switch between the styles when you collaborate them all in one composition? Mm,
2: um, No, actually. It's not because, uh, as long as it makes sense to, I mean, it has to sound good. Uh, But it's like, um, you know, I have a lot of admiration for interprets you know people who translate from one language to they just switch from one language to another like that check 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 and i've always been so in fact i wanted to i'm discussing a little bit here but uh when i was younger i was so interested in languages that i had thought about making it uh, my job to be uh into languages and uh, linguistic and uh... and i think it's a little bit the same in, in music in the sense that um if you, when you switch between styles, it's, I, the way I feel it is like uh, I connect myself to a certain frequency. So it's not so much something that comes from the head, from the mind. It's not like, oh, I'm going to switch. So this gavaka is not going to be there anymore. And oh, that pitch is different. And oh, in Iranian music, there is this uh, quarter tone and blah, blah, blah. No, it, that would be too slow. First, it would be too slow and uh, it would prevent from flowing and um, and it wouldn't feel right because, yeah, I think it's more a matter of it's a body thing. where well, you have to obviously spend many years working on the techniques and, and integrate, like immerse yourself in the style. But then once it's there, you don't really have to call for it. it, it it's part of you, right? So it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like... Um, when you are baking a cake and your child is coming and needs something from you and you have to do both at the same time and you switch between one and the other, you know, it's kind of right. like the same because you have to be available. You don't want the cake to burn, maybe you don't want the child to miss anything. or And so it's just making yourself available. Mm-hmm. And the more technique you have practiced and the more respectful and and, 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 uh, devoted you have been to your music and your practice, the more you can be available then for the moment, the present moment. It's like improvisation, you know. You don't start thinking, hmm, oh, okay, now I could do this and then it would be interesting if I could do that. No, this comes from the head. You don't have time. It's it's now or never. Mm-hmm. And you have to let yourself go. And the technique is serving the, the purpose, the bigger purpose. That is, I don't know how you call it, you know, creativity, the present moment, the, the magic, the spur of the moment, uh, you know, yeah. or oh God. I don't know. Some people call it God. I don't have problem with that.
0: Yeah. I think because uh, as you talk to me, you say that uh, you see, you treat music as a whole probably yeah. that really 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 helps you that philosophy and that approach mm-hmm. because uh, it's not about switching between this and that anymore it's just exactly experimenting yeah. or you know making it more beautiful that form you just uh, probably, exactly yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah i think you are you are touching uh, the right uh, idea it's exactly that and um, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in, I think even the same with time. I think there is no time. I mean, mm. like everyone else, I am caught in my agenda and I have to blah, 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 and I'm stressed out and I'm not more involved than anybody else. But I, I, I believe people who say, there is no such such thing as a time frame. Everything is there. It's like a, quantum physics say, say it. Uh, Indian uh, masters say it, or old uh, spirituality. They, they, they all say no. It's all there. You have different dimensions. Mm-hmm. They coexist. Maybe we don't we don't see the other dimensions because we are not there yet. But they are. It doesn't mean they are not there, right? right. And. Uh, yeah, I think you are right. It's, it's a matter of switching between languages just means to be available for things that are already there. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with love. We, I don't think we have to create love. I think love is the energy that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the best we can do is to make it possible to right. go through us and, 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 and be expressed by us because the energy in the around us don't, doesn't have arms to embrace, doesn't have voice to sing. Right. or feet to dance. So we are this channel that enables this love to be expressed. Right.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Has the Carnatic music, be it the basics or the exercise patterns or the uh, the improvisation techniques uh, helped you with your jazz or other genres of music that you sing? Um, In the
2: in the indirect way, yes. Uh, as a way um, uh, the the fact of just to practice the techniques you know uh, it helped me tremendously for my my intonation pitch all the vocal technique I, I would say that 80 85 percent of my vocal technique comes from carnatic that's for sure because it requires so much precision and you have to be so yeah you have to be very precise um so in 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 that way yes in a technical way it helped me a lot Uh um in a structural way in my improv and um i don't think so i don't think so because I think my improvisation really comes from my childhood mm-hmm. being surrounded by jazz and Brazilian music and classical music and all these different types of music. Uh, I, think, I think improvisation is something that we have naturally yeah. if we let it uh, exist, if we let it be. I, I'm pretty sure, unfortunately, the school doesn't do that and it's a big problem, but I, I'm pretty sure if we take all the kids from the <laughs> birth and we let them be, they are naturally improvisers, right? So, yeah. And the technique is there to to, to, to be better technically, but uh, not to, I don't think it helps you to be creative, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're also interested in cross-disciplinary collaborations and you've worked in theater, dance, and also on documentary making. How do you apply your learnings here? Hmm. <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, I love, 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 love collaborations with dancers and and theater and uh, and, uh, also even circus, new, 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 new circus, Cirque Nouveau. Uh, I I really love to connect sound with with movement, Mm -hmm. music with uh, visual. Uh, I think it uh, tremendously adds on both parts, uh, maybe because I was a dancer myself for a long time, not professional, of, of, of course, but uh, I learned uh, the dance. Uh, how do I apply? Basic? I don't know. I just make, make, make myself available. And uh, for me, the best thing that we can do is to, to to serve, to serve the purpose. So, And it's the best way to learn, right? So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, if I work with a dancer, uh, or um, well, let's take the example of theater because it's easier to understand the, what I'm going to say mm-hmm. I want to serve the, the story I want to serve the narration what's going to be said mm-hmm. and uh, the center of the story is not me mm-hmm. and I love I love projects when I'm not a, the leader or I am not Uh, up front on stage Mm -hmm. Uh, the light is not necessarily on me I love being either behind the curtains in a creative crew or on stage but with the band maybe I'm doing some rhythmic stuff with the band or and that's why I think I love this project because these collaborations because the light is on someone else and then I can learn (laughs) I I can you know I like to be directed by a good director I mean, he or she has to be good. And so I learn more, I I expand my language, my skills. And um, yes, I think what we learn should be applied and should serve to,
0: I love teamwork. So, yes. An article on you mentioned, formed in jazz, in Solkoto and in Persian singing, Rafael combines all her influences to produce her original concept. Now, you mentioned that you're also trained in various uh, dance styles. Uh, You did the contemporary dance studies for seven years, and then you got trained in flamenco, the Ghanaian dance, Mm -hmm. and also a bit of Balinese dance. Mm -hmm. Has learning dance, and in fact, the various dance forms also influenced and inspired your music in any way? Yes, of course.
2: It's difficult to say how, like, to be precise, to pinpoint, like, what exactly helped me. I, I mean, I could say, of course, the rhythm, the... Um, I think we could make a list, but I think mo- most of all is... is uh, I don't know. Any, any artistic learning will be helpful in anything. Like, I, I could have learned painting. I could have learned... Um, I don't know. I think... Um, It nourishes your heart. It extends the heart. uh, Everybody should learn uh, at least one artistic uh, discipline. And for me, dance, yes. um, It um, it invites space into us. And um, in music, you you need to have a, a, a sense of space. I think. And uh, you can tell people who do have that sense and people who don't within uh, among the musicians. It's a, it's a very abstract thing to say and it's not so easy to convey to students, for example, when you, you, you tell them, you have to have space in your... <laughs> They're like, okay, some people understand, some people are not really... But uh, especially when you sing, your, your instrument is your body, right? So first of all, it's important to have a good... Uh, awareness of your body and I think of the space also um, not only because you're going to sing, sing on stage, I mean when you're carnatic you are sitting down so it's not so much um, a question of space but as soon as you stand up but even when you sit down I think you know um, it's like when we talked about everything is one, again uh, the only difference between your body and outside your body is a difference of density of, uh, but it's vibrating also right we don't see it from our eyes but um, this the body doesn't stop here right it, 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 it it's, 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 hmm. dance gives you that dance uh, forces you to know your body feel your body uh, have a sense of your space around you and of other people as well if you dance in a troupe and you have other dancers uh you have to move, you have to get a good sense of uh, your space. And it's, it's, it makes a whole difference. It makes a whole difference. And uh, yeah, Balinese dance, can you imagine how rhythmical it is? You know, it's like Bharatanatyam. All these traditions are so precise and so rhythmical that um, it helps. Yeah, I, I, I just love it. And it helps me for collaborating with dancers, most of all, which I love. I love, 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 love.
0: <laughs> You've also sung for Bharatanatyam recitals, how was that experience? Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love
2: it so much. You know, many musicians that don't like it because they say, oh, you know, it's boring. We have to repeat the same, send the same phrase over and over and blah, blah, blah. And it takes hours. And for me, I don't, I don't know. I love it. I love that. I love to see them dance. And I love to be part of a team. But what I really love, and you reach that moment when you have rehearsed enough and you know each other well, when the dancer starts to improvise with the same phrase, right? So you have this phrase you're singing Uh and you notice that the dancer is repeating the phrase. So maybe it means you have to continue to sing that phrase, right? So when you reach that point where... It's not so written anymore. Mm-hmm. You know that, okay? You know the dance, the choreography a little bit, a little bit better, and you know, okay, he or she wants to 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 go further in that movement, in that uh, in that uh, phrase, in that uh, in the story, that moment of the story. So you are there to serve this moment and to and maybe you can also a little bit improvise. Not improvise, but like add some. Little, yes. you know, gamaka here and there. And uh-huh. It's like a dance. You are dancing also, what you're right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like dancing together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a beautiful yeah. way to put it. <laughs> um, how has it been uh, performing during the COVID situation? Has it been more of online and digital performances? Um,
2: yeah. Um, so, you know, almost everything has been canceled. So there's no such thing as performing so much anymore. I mean, right now, I obviously, it's going to come back, I'm, I'm sure. I'm a I'm pretty optimistic person, so I, I don't want to <laughs> get depressed with this situation. But for now, it's, yeah, difficult. Um, I haven't accepted too much online uh, streaming uh, performances because I try to resist as long as I can. I mean, I'm not so against, it's just that... I don't want it to replace the live performances. So for now, I am involved in teaching and a lot of creative projects such as recording sessions, uh, clips, uh, writing music, uh, collaborating with theater. I have also recently recorded for a, a small movie, small film uh, yeah 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 it's a lot it's a very um, rich time for collaborations actually because people realize oh everybody's at home with a record with a home studio let's do something together and you have a, you get a call from uh, some guy in new york or some other dude in uh, india or in uh, on some nice people from norway uh-huh. right <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh, yeah. so it can be exciting time also I mean, the I mean, it shouldn't last too long because it shouldn't hurt too much, the discipline. But I think we, we can make it a beautiful
0: moment also,
2: you know. So
0: that's what we are doing right now. <laughs> right. But how does your day look like, Raphael? I mean, it must be very productive because you engage yourself in practicing, learning, performing. So that's a constant thing you do. How does your day look yes. like?
2: Yes, for example, today I taught all morning uh i mean not all morning like from 9 to 11 it was a, sh- a short morning I'm, I'm giving a workshop right now online workshop so okay. I, I was having my 10 students this morning so it was a zoom uh, class and then uh, now i'm having this interview with you with your your lovely self <laughs> and <laughs> and then then the, this afternoon i'm going to practice uh, probably write some music And do some yoga as well because I hadn't had time today to practice yoga. I think I am trying every day to have a little bit of physical practice. So yoga is the easiest thing for me to practice at home. And then tonight I have an online um, meeting with a a group of women composers for film. Uh, It's a group based in the Netherlands. Okay. So I I am thinking of maybe joining that group. So, you know, I keep exploring um, and this is only possible because my little daughter is at the daycare uh-huh, <laughs> in okay. the garden. Uh-huh. So it's not every day. Some days she's at home. So I'm, 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 yeah, I spend time with her. Yeah, And sometimes, like last week, for example, I went to Paris for f- three days to record for the new album of a fantastic uh, guitar player, Olivier Louvel. And it's never the same, actually, from one day to another. You you know that as musicians, dancers, it's always different, depending on the projects, depending on the teaching. So it's really exciting that way. And I have the chance to live in a place that's very quiet. I live by the sea, and it's a beautiful nature. So every day I go out, I walk. I'm a big, big walker. I love to walk. So when I have my daughter, I take her on um, on my back. You know, I have a baby... I, I can put her in a, yeah, backpack for babies, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and we walk for an hour. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like that. There, there should be a heavy dose of music and a good balance of music, family, nature, and exercise. So, when obviously, we don't have time for, you know, full-time everything, so I try to connect, for example, exercise
0: with outdoor <laughs> or, you know. To optimize the time. Yeah, That's right. Uh, but I also meant to ask you before: Did you get a chance to learn Bharatanatyam because you were seeking for a teacher? Oh,
2: yeah. So a little bit, little bit, but not as much as I learned the other styles. Okay. Um, okay. I I I love to practice the um, oh how's it called the the, the, the feet exercises uh-huh. at the beginning. Adavus. Yes, adavus. Uh, I love that because it's. You know, I love the simple exercises. Even in Carnatic music, I love teaching uh, beginners because I I, I get the, the I get to practice these exercises again, which I wouldn't probably practice on my own because I have so many compositions, complex compositions I have to work on. So, with these students, I get to do alankaras, and I like the methodology, the the structure of these exercises. So. So in Bhartanadyam, yes, I, I usually do the warm-up with the, the girls, and then I sit down and sing. But I haven't learned any compositions. I, I haven't been so far. Okay. No. okay. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yes.
0: Mm, what would your advice be for an aspiring art student, Rafael?
2: Hmm. Um, you know, uh, yes, we should practice exercises. Yes, we should Get up early and do the work yes 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 most of all go with your heart you know that's the most important um we are very uh we we pressure ourselves with i should do that i what i should do is or i shouldn't do that or i must um yes it's it's true it's important but we have to balance it out with also Intuition and heart and uh, because, you know, I, I really believe that um, the best, the best way to earn a living is to do what you do best. And what you do best is usually what you like the most to do. Right. And uh, there are many people who they force themselves to to do something they don't really like to make a living, because that's what the society has always told us to do so they do that and they they do it okay it's fine they do the job and they earn money but they're not happy and maybe they don't earn that much because the more heart you put the more it's gonna come back right you get what you put right it's the energy of uh, um, uh, is like the law of attraction right you you are going to receive what you give but you give first right so When you like something, when you are in love with something, it's like giving. So it will come back. So I really believe people, oh my God, it would be so nice. Can you imagine tomorrow morning, everybody wakes up and says, okay, now I'm going to do what I love. And everybody, people will be free, you know, they will be free. Um, But some people have lost touch. Some people are, they, they went too far into not liking what they do and maybe they forgot uh what they what they used to like as a child and um it's okay i think we can still find it if you we we work on it but to a young young person i would say definitely oh my god keep touch with what you like keep touch do it nurture it you know put it give it all your heart and uh, and go for it it sounds cheesy but it's the only thing that's real for me You know, and that's what I've done, and I'm really happy I did, because... And also, the thing is, like, you might not know why you do something sometimes. Um, When I went to Iran, I was already heavily involved into Carnatic, and into jazz, and really advanced in both traditions, and I went there, and I remember people asking me over there, they were like, why are you learning Persian music? You are already a jazz and Carnatic singer? It has nothing to do, it's so different and you don't even speak the language and you know nothing. And and you know what? i had never asked myself that question at that time. I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm here in, in Iran, in Tehran, wearing the hijab, you know, the, 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 the scarf on my head. What am I doing here? And um, I was not sure why I was doing that, but I knew it was the right thing to do because it resonated with me you know it felt right so it's enough that something feels right it's enough it's actually the only indicator that's the one you should follow and then I came back to France and I still didn't know why I did that and uh, and it's okay and now uh, 15 years later oh my god my life my musical life was would be totally different if I had not learned Persian music in Iran and in Canada because it's fully part of my um, of my musical identity. But sometimes it takes time to 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 know. For example, I went to Indonesia. I learned Balinese, Balinese dance for one month, like intensively, every day practicing the jig, 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 jig the feet and all that. And uh, I was like, what am I doing here? I don't know. Why am I practicing this? I'm a jazz singer and I'm practicing this Balinese dance. It doesn't make sense. Everybody is visiting Bali and it's so beautiful. And I'm staying in this small village practicing this, I'm seeing nothing of the country. And today, 10 years later, I am still not sure why I did that. But I'm sure one day it will make sense. Maybe I will collaborate with a Gamelan project or something. And I would be happy to have done that. So I think as long as we feel something, or feel, something feels right to us, it's right. It's the right thing to do. And we will understand later. The mind is always, you know, it doesn't have to understand everything right away. It's fine if it understands in. The sense in a second uh, time, you know, afterwards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely, refill. I mean, I got to such, I enjoy talking to you. Uh, such a beautiful conversation. I got to learn mm-hmm. so many things and you've inspired me in a very uh, unique way, you know. So thank you oh, so much. Thank you, sir. I'm very happy. Thank
2: <laughs> you. Thank you. And you know, your questions are so interesting. I was telling my husband to, just before this morning, I was like, Wow, you should see the questions. I wish all the journalists would have these questions. And he said, no, 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 it's not the case. I was like you should meet her. She's amazing. You, you, I mean, I can tell from your questions that you
0: are you are a true a true artist. Thank you, yes. thank you so much, Rafael. So, I hope this interview with Rafael Brochet was inspiring. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast. For more information, log on to our website kalatapasya.com.
1: Then that at 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 the 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 Tanga to the the at the Tanga the at the the at the Tanga the at the Caddy, the at the Caddy, the Tuk ¡Ta, tuk ta, tuk ta, ti,